0: So I'm Tanya Kelly. I'm a consultant uh, obstetrician, so I look after pregnant women. Uh, I work in a large teaching hospital uh, in the south of England in Brighton on the south coast um, called University Hospital Sussex and I'm also the national clinical advisor for the maternity and neonatal safety improvement programme, which is a nationwide programme
1: run by NHS England and Improvement. I'm Matt Hill, consultant anaesthetist in Plymouth, teaching hospital in the southwest of England and also clinical advisor to NHSI on safety culture in the safety improvement programmes.
2: I'm Nikki McIntosh, I'm associate professor in social science applied to health based within the Safar Research Group, which are a health care improvement research group within the University of Leicester.
3: I I really wanted to start off just by saying, you know, you're running this session in Gothenburg. How do they do that? Using appreciative inquiry to develop safety culture. So um, I'm not sure I understand what that means. Does somebody want to start by kind of explaining what this is all about?
0: The session generally will want to talk about or explore people's understandings around, around safety culture. We know that culture and the impact that it has on teams and both the safety, quality and experience of care that's provided by those teams in healthcare settings is really important. You know, We've got really good understanding that organisations with high functioning cultures, depending on how you want to look at that and define them, give higher quality care. Um, and certainly in the UK and specifically within maternity in the UK at the moment, there's a big focus on the way in which we provide care and the way in which we organise our services, but a lot of the, the emphasis tends to be, and we've had a number of large sort of public inquiries, a lot of external reports of organisations, it's focused on the failings of care, so it's always been about what's gone wrong. Now, although that's really important to understand what's gone wrong, what we're trying to do, and certainly what we really want, with trying to do in some of the work we're doing in, in England specifically, is look at what does good look like? So giving people a sense of describing what good looks like, but then more importantly, helping them to navigate from where they find themselves to where they ultimately want to be. So that's, that's the appreciative inquiry side of it. So it's really starting, let's not just focus on what bad is, let's focus on what good is, and then help you get from where you are to where you need to be. So that was really the the, the premise behind... Um, the title. And the how do they do that really was just rather than just describing what good looks like, it's actually sort of talking to you about how you navigate that process.
3: This work that you've done together has involved looking at several different clinical services where there's this kind of perceived high quality safety culture. Can you give us a bit of a flavour of some of those services and the kind of breadth and depth of them?
2: So our entry point was um, we used some safety culture scores that had been generated from maternity and neonatal services across England. And on the basis of that, that was sort of our starting point to choose those that had scored highly. And we um, worked with 10 organisations that had, as I say, good scores and did some preliminary interviews with um, strategic leads who had a sense across both maternity and neonatal services. And then from there, we chose four um, organisations to do some further work with, and we selected um, settings units to actually focus on, to actually get sort of much more of a vertical insight. And so we went into neonatal, we we heard from staff working in neonatal units, but also labour ward and antenatal clinics. That was the end focus of the work.
3: So I'm interested in how kind of applicable that is, that safety cultures is then right across the whole of healthcare. Do you think this is very kind of focused on neonatal? Or do you think that the things that we're learning here about safety culture are transferable to, I don't know, inpatient mental health?
2: I think it's that whole relationship between what is happening locally and how context and what makes your site and specialty specific. Um, is a really important to take on board, but I think there are generic cultural values and principles that actually are applicable to healthcare in general. But what it is, is trying to unpack how that is shaped by local services. So what is particular to maternity? What is particular to neonatal care? But I think there are some generic principles that actually have traction across services. And that's the bit that I think is really important for us to share so that we don't become very siloed and think of it as as just being specific to particular areas.
3: So what are those generic principles?
2: Um, I mean, obviously, we need to do more work in terms of the applicability of this outside maternity and neonatal. But they're talking about generic um, issues like leadership and coaching, but also team working involving patients and services as being responsive to them. It's about innovation. How do we... um, maintain sort of agility and outward looking rather than just being reactive all the time. They're quite generic principles, but what's important is actually letting sites themselves know their own identity and what makes them special, such that underneath that umbrella, that might look slightly different in different sites, but actually they're still working in the same way at a generic level, if that makes sense. Um, So, some of the practices that we saw were quite different in different areas, but they had the same end result in terms of how it was working well. Um, but they may be going about it in different ways because of the size of the organisation, or the history, or staffing issues.
0: I think some of the applicability of the work across the whole of healthcare, I, I think, is is interesting because there's a defensivism wherever you work that. The, the problems that you have in be it in theatres be it in community mental health being in obstetrics are very specific and that actually you know that their whole issues are very unique to them and there's clearly some contextual elements that are very specific to where you're working but I think there are some generalized principles that do tend to underpin high quality services wherever you go uh and but I think the other, certainly some of what we want to draw out in the session when we go into it, and, and Matt can, I know we'll be able to talk about this far more eloquently than I can, is that there's a danger that what we tend to do is over-distill the solution. So we, we kind of approach trying to shift culture in the same way that we might approach, um, re, you know, remodeling a, a particular space in which we work to make the, the, the space allow us to do our work better. And, and actually a lot of it is around the way that we function within those spaces rather than how the spaces affect our, our, the, the teams themselves. And so a lot of the interventions that people talk about, they, they talk about them as singular entities rather than realising that they've got to be contextualised. So a lot of what I think Nikki has found in a lot of her work allows us to understand those principles and kind of what we want to do in the session and what we're certainly doing more widely is challenging the way in which we, we do this work generally. So we, we're not all spec there's a lot of very generic problems that we all have there are some local contextual barriers but actually it's thinking more about not just what we're doing but actually how we're doing it and that, that allows us to move things in a in a much more positive direction
1: and it's much easier to consider what we're doing and to measure that than it is to take that step back and look at how we are together in in that space and i suppose it's that real reflective and reflexive element of teamwork where we can actually step out and consider how we are being. And that takes a bit more time. And I think some of the times in the past where there's been interventions that have succeeded in some places, but haven't succeeded in others, it's really been about the the how it's been done rather than the the what. And I sort of describe these sort of two strands of wool where one's the what we're doing, and the other's the how we're doing, that have intertwined. And every now and then we need to just pull them apart and look at the what and the how, and see how we are together. And sometimes there's great, great teams who it just happens with naturally, but often the teams where it drifts over time, we end up with um, teams that aren't performing as well as they want to be. It's because we're not paying attention to how we're being together. And this may be that subtle breakdown in relationships to start with, that then can build and um, drift into something that's much more um, negative and harmful to the team over time as well.
3: I suppose when we think about patient safety, having a safe service, providing safe care, um, in my experience that often means um, being terrified of causing harm or having an incident, you know, and so there's a kind of the safety culture is actually quite a negative thing, I think, in many services, because it's actually preventing patients getting what they need. Uh, This is particularly true in mental health, where a lot of mental health inpatients say, you know, everyone's so concerned about safety that I don't really get the, the therapeutic intervention that I require. So tell me something about developing a culture of safety where the balance is correct for the patients as well as the service
0: I think it's really interesting that you used the word that you focus in on safety culture because what one of the elements that I think is also interesting is when people talk about culture they're often talking about the same yet at the same time different things and yet there is a lot of overlap and I think we sometimes it's about ensuring that we're all we, we understand our common ground when we're talking about culture But I but I also think there is a sense of destigmatizing the problem. So we tend to cult- cultures in themselves can be quite can be quite isolating. And if you're working in an area where you don't feel able to speak up, you don't feel able to to talk about your problems. Then I think it does create the the, the environment that you're describing. And and there is one of the things I think is really important is is being comfortable to talk about where the problems lay within the service in which you work so that you can then start to talk to other people who've had experiences of this about how to move things in the right direction. That The more that we hide away behind the problems that we have, have the, the less likely we are to, to succeed because we're in that space because we're being very insular in our thinking and not looking out for solutions. But equally, we're hiding behind our problems. And, and actually, it just creates a sense of distrust. People don't feel comfortable to speak up. I mean, I, I always remember watching two uh consultant surgeons when we were doing some initial work years ago on the safer surgical checklist work and the whole premise of the safe surgical checklist work is being able to introduce yourself to all members of the team by your first name and one of these guys found it almost impossible to do that he said i've spent 20 years being mr so-and-so i can't do it and the other guy who's same age same sort of generation turned around to him and he said but by not allowing people to approach you using first names you create this barrier and he said no I quite like that barrier and the other guy just said to me said but by doing that you're not allowing the team to support you and actually being part of that team will allow you to be good even on your bad days and all of a sudden this light bulb went on with him that actually enabling that team to work more together more cohesively you could see problems before they happened and then you move into this thinking of safety two versus safety one so you've got this prediction of problem you're getting you're getting upstream of what might happen and the system starts to both diagnose and and, and heal itself and the power of really good culture in teams is extraordinary because and go back to this appreciative inquiry thing you start learning from what goes well as well as what doesn't go well and that that can only work if you've got a culture that's sustaining and supporting and nurturing but equally is quite good at questioning itself. So it's asking, you know, you're actually saying, you know, we need to talk about when things go wrong and not feel that we to get blamed. But people are going to go, OK, that's really interesting. Why do you think that happened? Um, so that's why I think it supports really high quality care. But it's often, it, it's often very difficult because people know when things don't feel right, but they don't feel often able to talk up about it
1: just on the um, sort of safety culture and considering harm as well. There's um, sort of a traditional way of measuring safety has been by measuring harm. So there's this shift in a, which doesn't quite connect to our thoughts and sits uncomfortably. Um, I suppose it's how we move away from that measurement of safety as harm into a more appreciative way of um, understanding the brilliant care that can be delivered. And I suppose some of the work we've been doing is moving towards this um, shift in how we understand safety culture in an appreciative way. Think about what we're trying to achieve. So where everybody flourishes, you know, individual staff, teams, patients, carers, service users, you know, in the collaborative, delivery, design, creation of brilliant care. So it's about thinking about how we want to be in that space, rather than some of the more traditional ways of, of harm, Um, which we've used in the past to get just from a shift our focus what we're trying to achieve rather than some of the more negative ways of considering safety culture.
3: So A good example in mental health again is is self-harm so you know you might have a safety culture that says incidents of self-harm are a negative thing and therefore we need to you know remove those in order to have a safe service but if you talk to patients they may say well Um, I use self-harm to manage my anxiety and it makes me feel really safe when I do it safely. Um, So there's a direct kind of, you know, competition there. Um, Give me some more examples like that from your fields of expertise.
0: I have a big issue with the sort of the context of using never events um, as a way of measuring high quality services because I think they are by definition impossible. Uh, They, you know, even the best processes and services and systems will fall down and fail. So you know using a never event as a way of looking at how a service is working doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I think you could turn it up the other way and start thinking about always events or very common events so you're supporting and trying to look at ways that you could do it. And we played for years with the idea of rather than using the safety thermometer which some people will be familiar with in the UK where you look at the incident of some of the more common harms, you could turn it up the other way and you could look at a no harm thermometer for organizations so how often do you get patients through an episode of care and you know within a hospital where actually no harm comes to them and that's something we're striving to to increase and you know and it, it it's kind of accepting that we will all make mistakes despite the best systems being organized but the most important thing is less about in some ways in the context of this discussion is less about how well the system is set up it's about the culture that's within that system. So that when we do end up with those care failures happening, the culture is such that we're we're looking to learn from that rather than hide it, and you know the, the difficulties. Are, and there's also that depending on which part of the system you organisation you sit in, the culture feels very different. Some of the work we've done over the last few years, you can look at using culture surveys. You can ask a band six midwife that's working on the labour ward what her view of teamwork, and communication, safety climate is. And her, her responses are diametrically different to what the more senior midwifery managers would think because they're not working in that space. And so to actually support teams to move in the right direction, you've got to understand how it feels to work in those spaces, not just use your own personal view on it. And, you know, it's developing that sort of peripheral vision Understanding that there's a breadth of an opinion. I think one of the things that was startling that came out of Nikki's work was one of the things that they found in the high-performing organizations was diversity of opinion. That was something that they welcomed and found in their teams quite a lot. So actually not trying to close down conversations, but trying to open them up all the time. And so I think all of these things become very supportive. And that and I think that's why there's this intertwining, as Matt's saying, of the what and the how. But equally, High performing organisations have very positive cultures, but those cultures reinforce the quality and safety and experience of care. You know, they don't don't work separately. It's not just pure chance. You know, they're they're permanently, they are what we would describe as learning systems or learning organisations. And that's the only way you actually get to those sort of higher levels of performance is because you are permanently questioning the way that you're delivering care, not... Not just thinking that actually everything's
1: okay, isn't it? Which I think is the danger. I think that is a really, really important point about the, that curiosity within a healthy, positive culture. How do you keep asking to get those multitude of perspectives that really give you an accurate understanding of what you're trying to achieve? And without asking why people are self harming, that understanding one to achieve in elements of their care. So think about, you know, doing some work some of our breast services, they may be the expert in treating the cancer, but you've got to expand that to understanding what's important to the whole person and have a holistic approach. And without doing that and understanding that, you're never going to achieve brilliant care because you're only focusing on one aspect of it, which is the treatment of disease rather than achieving health.
3: Tell us why people should come to this session and what they're going to get from this. Well, they're clearly going to get lots of enthusiasm, lots of passion and a a great
0: deal of of experience of working in this area. Personally, I've been working in sort of improvement and safety for about 15 years in the UK now and probably longer than that in in sort of other branches of it. And I I think we've got a lot lot of insights that we can provide to people who come along. Thinking about why safety culture is really important, the inter- this interdependence between safety culture and the safety and quality of care. So I think you can't, you know, there have to be improvements in one are reliant on improvements in another. So they they go hand in hand and not separating them out. I think this the, the element that that Matt was talking about earlier. These local relational aspects of affected teams and how they're so important. This isn't something that you can you can manage or drive or you know action plan your way out of you've got to really get into this and start understanding the relational aspects of it and but more importantly is this how so you know how we can make this work but practically how you know we'll give you some suggestions about how you can start to practically provide support to some of those teams you know opening up those conversations providing you know an IHI state they always love giving agency to people to make those changes, but support them. And, and you know, a few elements of the work that Nikki's done to sort of highlight some of the key findings and sort of trailing what will then come as a, a bigger piece of work, certainly across England, that we would then, you know, continue to share. So those would be, I would say, those would be the highlights.
3: And Matt and Nikki, do you want to say something about um, what you're personally going to get from it in terms of listening to the other people that come along? Because I guess this is the first in-person international forum for two or three years now um are obviously going to be a lot of people from sweden but a lot of other european and international countries there what are you hoping to gain and learn from the the people that participate
2: it's fantastic to have people um as you say working in different sort of um international contexts as well as different um, specialities and i think So one of the issues that we're dealing with is safety culture is very abstract and nebulous, and it's actually trying to move it to something that's practically accessible without losing sight of the fact it is about social norms, which, again, is quite difficult to get hold of. So I think for me, just for us to be testing a little bit of the congruence of what we found as to whether that mirrors what others are experiencing, but also some of, as Tony said, we're going to be talking a little bit practically how can you get hold of this and actually work with this in your own setting so a sense of how people find that would be really helpful for me
1: yeah i think i'm just i'm coming along curious curious about does this um make sense to others does it make sense in their context how could they how would they use it what can we learn from them as they think through their approach to this I guess it's that, yeah, in the best words, the IHI all, all teach, all learn in the session and throughout the conference. Mm-hmm.